into it. And he said to me, he goes, Dan, if you think the Cavs are going to come out tonight and rout the Celtics, you're crazy. He's like, that's not what's going to happen. So here's what happened. I took the Cavs at minus three and a half. So giving Boston three, before the game even starts, Boston's got three and a half points, right? And I was like, all right, well, I feel like they'll cover that. The Cavs will. And I took the over at like 213, 213 points, meaning I needed 213 or 214 points to win. Yeah, to, to consider a four-point win as a win, I mean, that isn't too much to think of at all. Very possible there. And um, the reason I thought that the over was a good bet is because both teams with a bunch of new dudes on their team Therefore, their defense not going to be nearly. Yeah, you talk me right into that. One. Not, I mean, well, it's, I mean, it's sound logic. I mean, it didn't play out that way, but like you would think that two teams that didn't have their defense necessarily together for a long time is going to have problems stopping the other team from scoring. Yeah, I, I and I liked your logic, so I took it. And then Gordon Hayward goes down early on in the first quarter, right? Like, and it's bad, honestly. Like that looked like for people who are my age, that looked like Joe Theismann bad. Like Monday, I believe that was Monday night football when that happened. Like that would do that injury looked awful. Um, I don't get me wrong. I feel terrible for Gordon Hayward. I really do. But like, I just don't know why we all had a candlelight vigil last night. I don't know why it automatically turned into. Like, oh, you oh know my, why? Oh my God. Because you have Twitter. Oh my God. That this is what I'm always saying is that we've, we, we've lost our stomach for things because now everybody has to rush to every but he's like, oh my God, well, that's not fair. That's what that's exactly what that was. As a matter of fact, Skip Bayless wrote a tweet last night, and I didn't get why everybody was all upset about it. He said, if Gordon's out now, he's like, LeBron's path to losing a six finals is almost guaranteed is, is that much easier now. People are like, oh my God, that's insensitive. And I'm like, no, that would have been a headline in the newspaper generation. But we have Twitter and emojis, so we're all a bunch of sissies. It's unfortunate any athlete faces what could be a career-ending injury, but it's not like the dude broke his neck last night. It's not like the dude's paralyzed or even anything like that. I mean, worst case scenario is Gordon Hayward is retired from the NBA. He no longer can play, and he's still a multimillionaire with a relatively healthy body on him that can go and live his life for the rest of his life. So, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not cheering for somebody to get hurt, even though I hate the Celtics, um, but I'm not necessarily, like, I, I, I just felt like last night, like, everybody had to be like, oh, thoughts and prayers to Gordon Hayward. I'm surprised we didn't see, like, a Facebook, like, a Facebook, like, oh, a hashtag. Or, 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 like, a profile oh, he is, picture well, he, thing. I mean, he is trending on, oh, like, like yeah, put the flag put over the flag Well, over. not put the flag. Gordon, the flag's racist. Put the Gordon Hayward picture over your profile picture, and everything will be fine. And I was just like, God, guys, I mean, the guy broke his leg, but... Welcome to sports. So that he goes down, and I'm like, all right, well, the over's gone, right? So I was like, all right, so scoring's probably going to come down. So, like, I probably lose the over, but I'll win the three and a half. And so I'll end up pushing decent night. Cavs win. Everybody wins. You know, everybody goes the better winner. But no, of course, my brother ends up being right. And the game ends up 99 102, right? Three on the dot. Like, it's like, God damn it. And like, my brother said to me yesterday, he's like, dude, this is why you got to watch out for this. He's like, the knock on LeBron James is this. He's not a killer. He doesn't throw daggers into you. He'll win the game. They'll do enough to win, but he's not Kobe. He's not Michael. He's not out to embarrass you on the floor. And he's like, I'm telling you, I don't think the three and a half holds up. And I was like, oh my God, are you nuts? I thought for sure. Plus, he hates Kevin Love at the five. Feels like that's a huge mistake. I don't know. We'll see if he's right on that in the end. But he hates Kevin Love at the five. And so he he told me, he's like, Dan, I'm telling you, he's like, you're going to lose this money. And I was like, I thought he was nuts. And so sure enough, I turned the game off last night. I was like, God damn it.
Um, I think you need to stop betting local sports, man. I feel like you've had some bad luck this year when it comes to hometown teams. Maybe it's time to step away from I've those. done better nationally, and I actually I've done worse in football this year than I have maybe in the last 10 years combined just because the games have been all crazy. I uh, I just feel like the Browns, the Indians, the Cavaliers, you have not had good luck with. Maybe it's time to, to, to recognize that and to step away. You know? I, I might have to do that. How do you feel about the Cavs last night? Oh, I felt pretty good, actually. Um, I know people are going to be like, well, they fell apart in the third quarter, and they did. Um, but that's okay. I knew there was going to be a rough road in front of them in the beginning. Um, once the Gordon Hayward thing happened, it almost didn't matter what happened the rest of the game because the wind was so out of that. Uh, both teams, I felt like both teams were kind of like thrown off from it. Um, so I wasn't necessarily surprised to see Boston mount a comeback and be able to like kind of rally their troops and be like, no, we're getting, we're getting this win. You know, we, I, I think the game probably would have been a bigger blowout had Hayward still been out there and they wouldn't have had that inspiration for that third. I still I saw so many people last night asking this question on Twitter. Oh my God! How do they just go back to playing after that happens? Professionals, man. Right. And and, and, and it's no, their job. But nobody died. Now, if somebody died, I think that's different. That's a very valid point. Of like, oh my God, somebody just lost their life. They broke their neck in the middle of a game, and they're no longer like in football. Alive. You could be paralyzed. Like right. if you think somebody's paralyzed on the field, I get that. But to to I mean, like it's a broken leg. Like don't get me wrong, that's terrible. I'm I'm sorry, Gordon Hayward. Honestly, I hope the guy makes it back before the end of the NBA season. I bet you. He won't. I mean, that looked pretty bad. It looked bad. But I, 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 I don't know he, about that injury. I but, don't know how long it takes. But I, 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 hope, I hope he does. But like the guy didn't die. Like everyone, calm down. When Kevin Love got his, when got Kevin Love got his arm ripped out by Kelly Olynyk three years ago. Did all of Boston Twitter go like, oh my God, thoughts and prayers to Kevin Love? No, of course they didn't. What, what, what are we? I, there was a point. I was just like, how long are we going to let this go? Does this go for longer than a quarter? Does this go for longer than a half? Oh, the pictures of Gordon Hayward just sending shocks through me. I I think you're exposing an issue that I constantly bring up about social media, which is people will feign reaction and emotion that they don't really have and that you must look as if you're sympathetic. Otherwise, you are pro his ankle being snapped off. That's the that's the knock on these these platforms. We kind of proved it again with Goodell's wife doing things in private. Kevin Durant tweeting in private, because when you want to be who you really are, you have to hide from Twitter. Otherwise, the mob comes after you for being awful. That's what that is. It's unfortunate. And like I said, I thought Skip Bayless's tweet was totally fine. I mean, he's knocking LeBron like he always does. But ultimately, dude, his tweet would have been a headline in the newspaper generation, but we're all soft. I um, I, I think there were athletes. I think I saw like DeMar DeRozan took, took issue with what he said. And I can understand it from their perspective, I guess, of like, well, dude, we're we're the ones who are out there on the court. Yeah, you're actually in the battle there. But right, but you, but you I, and everyone listening right now, Toughen none up. of us are professional basketball. Up. So like I, I just don't I just don't get this. I mean, you don't you don't cheer when somebody goes down. No. You don't celebrate when somebody goes down. No, a guy down. said to me he's like, oh he's like screw Hayward. it should have been cryery. And I was like, no, 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 no. See, you're going in the wrong direction for me. Like, I, I, I can't root for this. I can't be happy this happened. But I don't necessarily have to. I, you're right. I don't. Ha- it doesn't have to be like Diana died and right. like Candle in the Wind, right. get Elton John out no, there tickling the ivories. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't necessarily need that. I've uh, I've never raised children. All right. So like getting them to behave, I would imagine, is absolutely difficult. But what one woman did to punish a nine year old is going to honestly, it's going to infuriate you. And we're going to give you that story next on Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sansbury Show on Rock 106.9. We have Black Label Society tickets. We'll get you hooked up with those at 730. That shows February. Goodyear Theater, Akron.
We'll send you that. Stansberry's planning on making an uh, appearance of that one, correct? I am indeed. Okay. Yeah, my buddy, uh, my buddy hit me up. He's like, "Yo, man, I'm a corrosion, conf- uh, you know, of conformity fan." And they're playing too. They're opening that show up. And I was like, "All right, let me see. You know, let me see what we can do there." Tell you what you can do there, Jack Daniels, Bud Heavies, Marlboro Reds. That's what you can do there, dude. Honestly, I struggled with the cigarette thing yesterday a little bit. Really? Yeah, it's been only, five years. January it'll be. Jeez. And uh, dude, I'm just telling you that that monkey's never off your back. This, at least not for me, it doesn't seem like. I'll go months and I won't think about it at all. And then like every once in a while, I'll just it'll be like three days where I'll just be like, oh my god, I just I just one, I can't have just not just one. What was it that triggered you yesterday? I have, oh, well, uh, dude, your boy's been off the wagon on the food pretty heavy, okay. too. Okay, food, food-related. Yeah, thing no, I, I definitely have found out over the last few days, it's without a doubt, I'm an emotion eater for sure. Like, yes. Like, dude, if I if, if there's a road rage incident on my way home from someplace, it will, that will honestly, like, if I get angry behind the wheel of a car, the, the chances of me ordering something from a drive through window increase something like crazy. It's got to be like 75%. Really? Yeah. For sure. It's like a calming mechanism is like carbohydrates and cheese are like calming mechanisms. Just put it in your face. Um, I, uh, I, I'm glad you did not smoke yesterday, buddy. Good job. Pat no, yourself on the back. Well, you're going away for the weekend and I know I you're going to smoke all weekend because Fantone's one of these guys. He can smoke cigarettes, like kind of pick them up, put them down. You can kind of like play with it. It's a dangerous lifestyle. I do not recommend it. Um, but anytime I, I feel like you for that, anytime I feel like I'm in vacation mode, anytime I feel like I'm away from my normal life, I'm like, well, dude, let it rip. Go ahead and smoke cigarettes. And, uh, yeah, this weekend it's a, a bachelor party without a bachelor. So it's uh, it's it's gonna definitely definitely be a cigarette in smoker. In no other way in life am I am I jealous of you even a little bit. Like, am I envious of you not one bit? But that one thing, I am. My friend Allison's very much the same way. She can pick them up and put them down anytime she wants. I mean, I know there's some people who will you know socially smoke, but I can't do that. Like, I can't smoke in Canton. Like, if I'm at Buzzbin, I can be hammered drunk, but I can't smoke. But as soon as I get like into out of Stark County, once I'm in, like, all right, dude, I'm out of here. Then it's like. I just feel like a different person kind of takes over there. Yeah, I wish I could do that. So I, I'm very. I'm yeah, until I'm just, one day. Until one day, I'm going to come in smoking cigarettes, and you're going to be like, "What happened, bro?" And I'm going to be like, "Dude, I thought I could get away with this." You well, know? don't do that because you'll bring right. me down with you. Right. Like when we first started this show together, you were a smoker. Yeah, I was. You were like a you were like a daily smoker, yeah. and so you would go out during like commercial breaks and stuff, and go outside and smoke. Just marble menthol lights everywhere. Which is again a cigarette I would smoke. That's so good. Because I was a menthol smoker. And and you would come back in, and instead of like smelling gross, I'd be like, "Oh, I just want to bear hug him." Yeah, <laughs> just, there's some cigarettes that make you smell gross. Marble menthol lights, not one of them. Well, I think I was just an addict, and I just <laughs> wanted to bear hug you, just because I wanted to be near it. Jeez, the the addicted brain, how it can be like, yeah, cigarette smoke on your clothes smells good. It's good. It's yeah. the grossest well, smell in the world. There's addiction right there. Yeah. So I have a I have an interesting story out of Florida. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna hesitantly call it this a Florida file story because a, because right. a young person has died, a nine year old child died, and this is all over punishment. Okay. Apparently the kid was acting up, so her parents. Apparent. This is where I dude. This must be a Florida thing, right? Because her parents called her cousin over the the child's cousin, who was a sixty four year old woman. The girl's nine. 
Veronica Green Posey, 64. I have all morning I've been trying to figure the math out, and I, I, and I can't make it out. Are we being a little loosey-goosey with the word cousin? You know what I mean? Is that like a third cousin? You know what I'm saying? Is there some oh, okay. sort of... Uh, oh, one of those southern things. Right. Like, uh, it's my sixth cousin on my right. mom's side, and then, but I, she lives in the basement? Maybe. I mean, I, honestly, I think kind of as your cousins, as like the same generation of you, I know it's like, well, no, your great aunt had a child, and blah, 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 and it's okay. like, whatever, but it's got to be the same generation as me to really for me to think for me of to think of it cousin. as a cousin i right. totally agree okay i may have been being a little too literal with the word cousin there so the kids acting up nine-year-old parents can't seem to get her to settle down so they call the cousin over veronica green posey 64 apparently hit her with a with a metal pipe jeez and a couple of other things and then the girl ran to an armchair to sit down so veronica green posey is 325 pounds. So I'm guessing she didn't run over to the chair, but she like got over to the chair, and then she decided the best form of punishment would be to sit on the nine-year-old girl. Good God. So like she crushed this girl. The girl's like screaming at, at first, like, hey, I can't breathe. The parents are sitting there watching this happen. Finally, she gets up, and then she calls 911 and then starts CPR on the child. But again, the, the parents, Grace... Smith, 69, and James Smith in his 60s are now chi- are, are now charged with child neglect and should be. It's 100% First of be. all, like I find this whole thing to be perplexing. You're the parents, and you're both adults, and you can't get this kid to behave, so you call another adult over to, to do it? Yeah, like what is she, the enforcer? Like what is she coming right. over? You know, well, I guess she is coming what over kind of, with a pipe and sitting on kids. What kind of sick, weird CSI story did we have going on down there in this trailer park in Florida? Because that's where this happened. Um, I think it's it's amazing that this woman is 325 pounds. And let's think about that, dude. Both you and I are big guys. and I'm probably 250 right now. And, and 325 pounds, that's a lot of mass on somebody. That really is. And especially for a 62-year-old or 65-year-old, whatever you said she was. 64, most, yeah. Most people that big don't get to be that old. So, like, it's just, just yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing that she put on that, you know. Yeah, that, you would have thought she would have roughly made herself. Ex- exactly, dude. You would. And, um... What did what did you think was going to happen? Three hundred and twenty five pounds, and even if this kid was kind of big, it doesn't matter. Nah, I mean, just, dude, I you're mean, nine, nine years old, right? right. There's just there's only so much size you'd have. A three hundred and twenty five pound woman a, sitting on me would be a lot. I was going to say, I mean, a three hundred and twenty five pound woman sitting on me, and I'm happy I actually don't have okay. for first first you know experience answers to, for this, but I would imagine like that could kill me, right? Um, I mean, I think if she was... If left underneath there long well, enough? Well, yeah, I mean, if you were suffocated by her. But you got to think, kids' bones are probably a lot easier to break because they're smaller and stuff. Oh and now we're got, snapping nine-year-olds' bones? Well, but I mean, that's exactly what's happening. Like, Your body's bigger and, and more able to take that weight. What an awful way to start Wednesday a, a child just would have no hope there. Can't LeBron do something? I mean, jeez, <laughs> Louise, LeBron, get us on something. You know? I mean, dude, that's terrible. Like, I can't, I, I can't understand... Now I know it's ridiculous to to like ask like maybe IQ test before we have kids like I get it right like right. certain things are just never going to be a reality of life but you got you, you you can't tell me that the system we have now is perfect when two parents can watch a 325 pound grown up 
70-year-old, essentially, squash a nine-year-old. Like, I just, I can't believe, I just, dude, the people, I just can't believe the kind of people that are out there raising kids. It just makes me really terrified for the world that we live in. LeBron James actually did say something that got everybody all in an uproar, and I can't figure it out why. Uh, Apparently, dude, LeBron has not done enough for you yet, and uh, you want more out of him. We'll explain this next on Rock 106.9. Hope you boys brought popcorn. The Stansberry Show. Because I'm about to put on a show. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. When you're way into the Black Label Show. 7.30, we'll pass those out. Zach Wilde makes his return to Ohio at the Goodyear Theater in Akron in February. 7.30, we'll get you hooked up with those tickets. So the Cavs back in action last night. NBA season starts again. They win. I lose my bets. I was given Boston three and a half. I took the over at 213. Lost both bets. I Once Hayward went down, I knew. I was like, all right, well, I'm losing the over because scoring's just going to come down. But I thought for sure. I was like, all right, well, dude, we'll beat this team by six, by right, eight, something right. like that. And nah, I thought I'd cover. Nah, lost a bunch of money. I, uh, I Like I said, I just think you got to step away from betting on local sports. I yep. might. It's been a tough year for you in that. It has indeed. It has indeed. Dude, Actually, my football's not going great this year either. I won on Sunday. I won the Rams bet, and I bet that game pretty big. But I, I, it's, it was not enough to like o- o- to overcome. Dude, don't bet sports. It's so, dude. It's so depressing. Thank God McDonald's has not shut down. Thank you Taco Bell for still being in business. Wendy's, I appreciate you because let's be real, dude. If the betting game, the gambling game is falling apart, the golf game you haven't talked about in a while, so I feel like it's probably not in a all good the way place. gone. All the way gone. All the way dude, gone. Thank you. As a matter of fact, dude, I hit golf balls yesterday. All the way gone. Napoli's, Giving the game up. Napoli's, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, speaking of which, Napoli's, I do love you. I called them last <laughs> night, as a matter of fact, to place an order for the Cavs game. And she's like, what's your phone number? You know how they ask you for the phone number? So right. I gave her the phone number there. I'm not going to give it to you, but I gave it to her. And she just paused and said, you want the pepperoni and banana pepper, right? <laughs> and I was like, yes. She said, it'll be ready in 20 minutes. Come get it. Awesome. Love that place. It was delicious, too. Sat there, ate that whole damn thing. Sure it was, man. It was awesome. So, with the Cavs being back in action, there was like, uh, apparently there was like a feature done on LeBron James in GQ magazine, which makes sense. He's a pretty fashionable dude. One of the biggest stars in the world. Obviously, dude, on the magazine cover, there you go. And so they started talking to him about his future plans. Obviously, you know, LeBron playing close to the vest, claiming he doesn't know what he's going to do next. And you maintain that you, that you believe he is like going to evaluate this season and what, whatever happens here shall depict what he does. Yeah. I think if you think he's leaving or if you think he's saying you're wrong, he doesn't know what he's doing yet because I mean why would you make this decision a year out? Why? Don't have to. Right. He's probably going to make the decision a hundred times over the next year. Right. I mean there's going to be points where you feel like alright hey everything's going great and I want to be here for the rest of my life and there's probably going to be times when you're like damn dude I don't know if this is it. I don't know if this is enough for me. Where and- you and I differ is you believe he's leaning towards staying and I believe he's leaning towards leaving. Um, yeah but I don't think he's leaning towards staying much more than like I mean 51 49 you know what I'm saying oh, okay. like, I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's like a 75 so you have it as an arms race pretty much I okay. think it's a pick here yeah so they asked him you know what I mean and he's like you know he dodges the question you know I'll handle that you know next you know in the summer like I always do and they so they so they follow up wisely GQ does and they say when the time comes do you owe the hometown Cleveland anything and LeBron James answered that question. I'm going to read you the entire quote. 
Because I think a part of this is going to be pulled out of context. It's going to be spun around the interwebs and Twitter, and he's going to get murdered for this. And ultimately, I think it makes a little bit of sense. Now, he talks about himself in third person, which is always weird. He says, LeBron James owes nobody anything. Nobody, he said. When my mother told me I don't owe her anything from that point in time, I don't owe anybody anything. But what I will give to this city of Cleveland is passion, commitment, and inspiration. As long as I put that jersey on, I, I find that to be interesting, that's what, I, that's what I represent. That's why I'm there, to inspire that city. But I don't owe anybody anything. And he's right. But this is one of those things in life where we will murder an athlete for having this kind of mentality. When in reality, I can't think of anybody who owes you less than LeBron James. Yeah, I mean, he's delivered. You know what I mean? He's delivered on the promise. Well, not only has he delivered for you, the Northeast Ohio sports fan, you got the title. I know, Kyrie hit the shot. And, I, and I'm one of those people that makes that argument. LeBron puts you in a position to be there, and you all yeah, know that. Like, been, everybody knows Who's that, making right? the argument that, well, if Kyrie and, you know, without LeBron, you wouldn't have gotten You're there. not in the finals. Never would have been in, right. been in that spot. Right. But LeBron, not only has he delivered for you, but he's delivered for the NBA as a whole. He's been the savior of that league. Like there was going to be a there was going to be like a huge draw. Imagine if LeBron James isn't in this league right now. Up until Steph Curry becomes Steph Curry two years ago, for the last twelve years, what do you do? Who's on TV? Who's the star? Tell me who the star is. Once Kobe leaves the sport, who, who, what do you got? Well, and I mean, let's be real about Kobe too. There was a couple years of corpse from him. You know, where what it was I mean? like over, right? Where we all right. kind of knew, and yeah, he's 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 going to make the All Star team just because he is who he is. But there was definitely going to be a, a dark day there for a while, probably a dark decade. Um, and somebody saved the league. You, you can make the argument of well, somebody would have stepped up into that role, but not in the same fashion. Not LeBron James. There's only one of them. Does does somebody step up? into the quote-unquote number one role? Yeah, of course, because somebody has to be there, but they don't they don't push it like LeBron did. They don't make it, you know, they don't expand it like LeBron I don't did. think they expand the brand of the NBA as well as LeBron has now in his, what, 15th season? I mean, the guy's a freak of nature physically. I just think, I don't think he owes you anything. I really don't. I said when he came back, if you get one title and he goes, you gotta have to look at him and be like, yeah, bro, you're the greatest of all time, essentially. I know you can make the argument Jordan's still better, whatever. Fine. He's the second greatest ever, and he gave me a title. If he wants to leave, then then go. Like I want, I want mobility in my career. I want to be able to come and go as I please. And so I don't know how I'm supposed to sit in here and knock a player. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you you've delivered the promise. I mean, that's the whole thing. And as a fan base for so long. Everyone, it was just like, man, if I could just get one, one before championship, I die. one before I die, I will forever be grateful. Nothing nobody else matters. That. But no, obviously nobody, me- nobody, nobody that. means that. I mean, it, 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 at this point, that championship they won, it almost feels like an afterthought. It almost feels like you're disappointed. Like the like the general, you know, consensus from from North and East Ohio sports fans is that like eh, we're disappointed with how it's been recently. And it's like, dude, are you serious? Three consecutive runs at a title and a championship. Like, if that's not enough for you, you can't hold. A lead. You. you can't hold a lead for three quarters on a Sunday. You're going to bitch about three consecutive trips to the NBA Finals? Like, I, 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 this is why LeBron James doesn't owe you anything. You're spoiled now as a Cleveland sports fan. Think about that. When I was growing up, that wasn't even an option. It wasn't even a possibility. That, that wasn't even an option to be spoiled by Cleveland sports. Like, you're now spoiled. I, I am with LeBron here. I, I know, surprise, everybody thinks I'm a homer for the guy. But I don't think LeBron owes... First of all, nobody owes you a damn thing. That's kind of my stance on everybody. Nobody owes you anything. The NFL sat down 
talked to its owners, players, every management, everybody got together, and they didn't talk about the elephant in the room because apparently the NFL is now the dumbest sports league in America. We'll explain next. Hang on. The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. Win your way into the Black Label Society Show. 730. We'll pass those tickets out. Corrosion of conformity with them as well. That's going to be at the Goodyear Theater in Akron. February. BLS and COC. And probably some other letters, too. I bet you the band opening is going to be a lettered band. So the NFL met with its owners, players. Roger Goodell was part of this meeting as well. And they got together to talk about some of the issues facing the NFL. And obviously, everybody wants to know about the national anthem. And what they're going to do. Are they going to stand? Are we going to be kneeling? Are we going to sit? What's going to happen here? So Roger Goodell got asked the question. And here's his response. Uh, let me just say, today's discussion with our players uh, was very productive um, and very important. Um, we, uh, it reflected, I think, our commitment uh, to work together with our players on issues of social justice. Uh, I would tell you that our players are men of great character. They have a, a very deep understanding and tremendous knowledge of the issues that are going on in all of our communities uh, and their commitment uh, to addressing these issues uh, is really admirable and something that I think our owners looked at is saying we want to help support you. We want to, those are issues that affect us. There are issues also. Uh, we'd like to do it together. Um, the players were very clear about um, how they felt about these issues and how deeply they felt about these issues in our communities. Um, and I think, finally, the, the players uh, and the owners uh, came to an agreement that these aren't really issues that are player issues or owner issues or community issues. They're issues that affect all of us in our communities and a commitment that they wanted to work together uh, to try to address these issues. So we uh, do plan to meet again, and we do plan to meet again soon. Um, I don't, we have not set a date for that, but I would expect that to happen in the next two weeks. We did not ask for that. There's the question. Did you ask for them to stand during the anthem? He says, we did not ask for it. No, of course they didn't because they can't. The NFL is kind of in a no win there. If they now go to the players and say, we want you to stand. Guess what? The NFL is racist. That's going to be the narrative. That's the media takedown. There has been a media-driven, orchestrated attempt to take down the NFL for years now. They started with the concussion narrative. And then when America didn't really pick up on that and it didn't really go very far, then they started pushing this whole thing now. The NBA doubled down on this, reintroduced it, and said, we're not doing this. Nobody cares. Nobody bats an eye. The NFL lets guys do this, and the narrative still is, Slave owner mentality. The NFL can't ask the players to stand now. It's over. Then it's a house of cards. Everything comes crashing down to the ground, and they're all racist slave owners that just are awful. They can't ask them to stand. They're in a no-win. I don't know what the resolution is, but I don't know how you didn't get to talking about it. I don't know how you you get people together. It was 11 owners, more than a dozen players, and how it doesn't even... That's not, Dude, how is that not the starting point of the conversation? How do you not start there? But you can't say to them, we want you to stand. You're going to stand on our field. That's not going to happen. Because they're going to be called slave owners. 
even though other sports don't let you do this and nobody thinks that they're racist. That's the point of this I cannot wrap my head around, is how another sport, again, predominantly played by African Americans, can re- not yeah essentially require you to stand for the anthem. That's not wrong. The NFL kind of gets the back of the player, well, yeah, kneel, fist, do this, do that, and the NFL's awful. Somebody explain that to me. I think at least a part of the reason is, is that this is the way that it's been in the sense of like the NBA didn't buckle on anything. They didn't waver on anything. This is the rules we had in place. It seems to the NFL player probably that you gave me this right, but then once I use this right in a fashion that you didn't like, now you want to take it away from me. Well, it negatively affected their business. Like, I can allow you to do something, but then if it affects my bottom line, I have the right to be like, well, wait a minute. Like, this is crazy. We're all in business together. I'll remind you, players get 49% of the revenue. We're all in business together. And that if it's negatively affecting the business, like, okay, man, we tried something. And it's not being picked up well. It's not being received by our base well. And I don't know why a business isn't allowed to to move forward from there, but they're not. I don't know what the protocol is. Is to like changing rules in the middle of a season. Dude, they change scoring rules in the middle of the season in the NFL. So I, it, it just always goes back to me as like this should have been an, off, an off-season issue. This should have been something that was addressed not in the middle of this when there was no light on this, when this was easier to kind of handle. When you had months. Right. You're not allowed to pad up and hit anybody in the offseason anymore. You didn't have time to get together and talk about this. Is there more of this? Do I have more, Goodell? Let me hear that. No, we, we, spent, we spent today talking about the issues uh, that our players have, trying to, have been trying to bring attention to about uh, issues in our communities to make our communities better. And I think we all agree there's nothing more important than trying to give back into our communities and make our communities better. That was the entire focus today. I, I don't know how that could have been the entire focus yesterday. I, I don't get that. Um, there's going to have to be a, a part of this. If, they, if the NFL wants this to go as smoothly as possible, you are going to have to have a conversation where it's like, listen, it's not about the national anthem. It's what do you player think? Yesterday wasn't the time for that conversation. Yesterday should have been the, hey, this is our issue that we're facing together collectively, and how are we going to solve that? Now, a part of that conversation is going to be, well, what do we do on our end? What do what do we as the NFL do on our end? But y- 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 to, to not talk about it, to ignore it, to 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 brush that off. It's the elephant in the room. It's, it's topic A for everybody in America, and you're the guys on the inside, and you don't discuss discuss it honestly i'm going to use a social media like buzzturb that looks tone deaf you wouldn't you wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't for this issue if it wasn't for the protest so like I, 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 and that's the thing about this is i don't necessarily buy it i don't necessarily think they went in there and didn't talk about it at all now did they go in there talk about it not necessarily come to a conclusion that they all felt comfortable with yeah i guess there's a possibility that's like you know what dude let's just say we didn't really address this because we don't know what our answer is yet and if right. we say we talked about it we didn't get anything done then now the question is what do right. you mean you don't have an answer right so i think there's a little bit of that where where i'm sure all right know, saving face maybe and you're moving towards the middle but you don't necessarily want to look like you're giving up ground yet so it's probably one of those things that you know yeah because if goodell stands at the podium and it looks like he gave in to the players now the people who are anti the nfl which by the way the ratings i guess the ratings are not good now i guess the monday night rating which by the way it was tennessee and what indy without andrew luck like i don't i i don't know if that's indicative 
of people not watching the NFL or if that's just a bad matchup on Monday night. Um, or was that Sunday? Yeah, it was Monday night. And, I, you know, I saw photos yesterday of people like, look, man, the stadiums are empty. It's like, well, when was that photo taken? Was that photo taken during pregame warm-ups? Or, like, when? Like, I don't know. Like, week to week this year, NFL season from week six to week six, down 7.5%. Yeah, I mean, no business wants to be down almost 8%. No, you, you, they're, they're an average of 15 million people as opposed to 16.2 million people. So, like, now listen, that's nobody wants to be down 15%, 100% correct, but 15 million people watching your product, you're still top of the pops. You are. Yeah. You are still the most watched thing on television. So, I, I've said this. Oh, it's still the number one show on, like, eight, uh, like five networks, I think. So, I, I've said this about the NFL before where it's like, yes, I know people are pissed and uh, both sides, and I know that this is negatively impacting business, but when this is all said and done, and Inevitably, it will all be said and done. This will be over. I know it feels like, no, it's never going to be. But yes, it will. Three years from now, five years from now, the NFL is going to look back on this and be like, damn, dude, those were dark days, but we're still the number one thing in America. Right. I don't feel like they lose They lose their spot. Dude, if you look at LeBron James last night, like that Unity video on the screen, there's cops and there's all this stuff. And, dude, LeBron feels the exact way all these NFL guys do. But he's not going to let it affect his money. He's not going to let it affect the rating. Like, he's smart. He's in business with those people. Why do you think this is also, I found this to be interesting the other day when he was talking about how cheap he was. And he said, I still have Pandora with commercials. You know why he said that? Because he's a brand ambassador. He gets paid to do commercials. So he's, and then Pandora, like a bunch of idiots, responded back to him publicly and said, We'll hook you up with an account so you can skip the commercials, LeBron. And I thought to myself, Oh, God. Uh, I bet every one of your advertisers just loved that, Pandora. Yeah. Like, way to go, dummy. That's why LeBron said that the other day, is because he's a brand ambassador and he gets it. He's in business with those people. Plenty of, uh, plenty of... of I couldn't believe Pandora was that dumb. Plenty Could of, not believe. Plenty of radio stations have made the same mistake where it's like, yeah, we don't want you to listen to the commercials. And it's like, well, dude, somebody's got to pay your bills, so... Pandora, you just had the biggest star on earth say your name. Just shut up and stay out of it and what, let people come to you. I think it'll so be, dumb. I think it'll be interesting to see how an, a LeBron-led NBA, MLB... Even hockey, even NASCAR, uh, as the NFL shows this weakness and it looks like, you know, hey, they're losing ratings. How do those leagues, how do those leagues try to gain that ground back? And I think the NBA is doing a decent job of it in the sense of like last night, you know, national anthem going. I think it's all short term. I said yesterday, like, did you either like watching something or you don't? I don't think it's like now that because... I think people can stop watching something because they disagree with the anthem protest. I don't think you're going to start watching something you don't like because they're handling it the way you like. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I don't think it'll be like the conscious decision, but I think like that big picture that you, you kind of take a step back and those people are going to put their minutes, their television watching minutes somewhere. They're going to put their dollars somewhere. I think Netflix is the big winner. I really do. I don't think other leagues, I think momentarily short term, but you're like, like me with hockey. Like, dude, you either like watching it or you don't. And I like Stanley Cup hockey, but the rest of the season is a mind-numbing bore. And I, I don't think those things do. I think Netflix is the big, huge winner there. Black Label Society tickets up for grabs next on Rock 106.9. 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're going to hook you up with a pair of Black Label Society tickets. That shows in February at the Goodyear Theater. Corrosion of conformity with them as well. We'll get choked up here momentarily. 1-800-243-7625, the number you need on those. I feel like I'm slowing down every time I say that number because everybody tells okay. me I blow it right by them. And I am a fast talker. 
I do have that problem. So what is it again? 1-800-243-7625. Now, I maintain that had the four numbers matched up with the frequency of the radio station that that people might remember it. Yeah, but see, close. no, we, we signed up for the phone number back in the 70s when everything had to spell rock. It just rocks. Spell rock. They'll know they're listening to the rock station when they yeah. dial the phone and they have to type out rock. Won't they know they're listening to a rock station by the fact that you're playing rock music? Oh. Now I get the hole in the boat. <laughs> now I get it. Speaking of, the alter ego. No, dude, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? I'm going to get yelled at. Are you not happy here? If you're not happy here, I'm perfectly happy. All right, not perfectly happy. I'm reasonably happy. I can't for the life of me make this story out. And I'm going to come off sounding a little heartless here, I think. And so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna need the audience just to like you know remember that once upon a time you liked me, okay? <laughs> right? Just remember that like once upon a time there was something redeemable about me that you found, right? But there's this story that hit the news the other day, and and the guy hit me up about it the last. He's like, I can't believe you're not talking about this, man. I was like, all right, well let me look into it, and then we'll figure it out, and we'll see if it's show worthy. And and it is. And this story out of Hickory, North Carolina, where an owner of a monument company had repossessed a grave marker for a five-year-old child over a dispute on the bill, right? Here's what happened. They agreed on a price, and then the family changed something to the marker. Okay. It raised the bill. They had paid the original amount, that, but then they didn't pay for, for the extra changes on top. And that would add price to it. Obviously, the guy has to spend more hours working on things. I mean, I can understand why. It's not like that wasn't a heartless move by the business owner. That was, hey, this is the price of of doing business. So family doesn't pay, and he goes back and has like the monument marker like ripped out, removed. So, of course, we have social media now. This guy is now the worst dude on the planet and public enemy number one. I mean, and I get it does not look great. You just stole the, the, the tombstone of a Not child. stole. Repossessed, I think, is the important word. Not stole. Um, do you, I mean, as any business owner, can you just go around repossessing people's things? I Don't mean, pay it, your car payment. What's going to happen? But it's not, it's not like, it's not like, it's not like Wakeham's, Craig Wakeham's not coming out to take your car. You know what I mean? Like, is, is it the business or is it somebody else or is it? Well, no, the bank has somebody come out and do that. It's, it's, it, it, you know, it's up to the bank. Did he come out and do that? Was it the bank that did that? Was this somebody that was like certified in doing this or was this just him going and taking this? Well, I believe the company probably, I mean, I, I would imagine that they, they have a department that handles this. I'm sure this is not the first time this happened where, where people don't pay for things. I, would, I mean, welcome to business. People don't want to pay for your, for your services all the time. And that's what this is. It's a service. And somebody said to me yesterday, well, you know, they're profiting off the death of a child. Well, I mean, welcome to funerals. <laughs> I, I mean, right. I mean, that's their job. Like, that's not sinister. Yeah. Like, I say this all the time. It's like people bitch about this do when I bartend all the time. Oh, my God, that's, that's absurd. That, that's how much a drink costs. Yeah, you caught me in my evil scheme to turn a profit as a business. Like, profits aren't sinister. Like, they're not bad. Profits, by the way, are how you have a place to go work today. You get paid off of profits. That's how you get paid. Like, so profits aren't sinister. You got to dial that down. Like, I, I just, I don't understand. We gave people Twitter and people were like, oh my God, CEOs have money and I don't. They're evil. And it's like, well, all right. Or how much work went into that? 
a lot probably. So profits aren't the worst thing in the world. And I know it sounds heartless to rip the grave marker off of a five-year-old's you know, final resting place. It sounds awful. And I'm glad it's not my business. But it is somebody's business. Um, what are they supposed to do now? If I if my family member dies because they gave this thing back to this to this family and covered it, they're they're not making them pay because social media shame this dude into this. They now have to give this thing back and don't get paid. Now, if my family member dies, why would I ever pay you? Wouldn't the right thing is the business owner to be here? Wouldn't this to be to put it into collections or to take them to small claims court? Yeah, I mean probably, but I mean. I, I, I would repossess my. I would if if you're in a business where you can repossess the, the item. I think you do it. Otherwise, what's the motive for people to pay you? It might not be worth the financial end to take them to court. Maybe it's not worth that. So how do you get paid? I you know when people were saying to me yesterday, oh my god, I think it's terrible. People are profiting off the death of humans, and it's like, well, wh- yeah, that, I mean, you, well, how do we get people to do that job? Right? How are you burying people then? How do how do how do tombstones? How does this happen? You want to go back to stacking them up in the back bedroom? Right. That you you're going to have to have a business of that. I, I mean, get small claims court would have been a great option. I'm just willing to bet maybe it wasn't worth the money. But at the end of the day, you got to do something to get paid. I don't think that this was as heartless or as awful as people wanted it to make. But again, you take a still photo of something, you write one headline, and you get it in front of people that don't really have enough energy to stay invested in the story all the way through, and what do you have? Oh my God, worst human ever, and he's now shamed into into losing money. Again, I'm going to say it again. Profits are not sinister. They're the only thing that allows you to go to work today to make your paycheck, to be able to pay your bills, to be able to put shoes on your kid. Profits do that. Quit acting as if businesses are evil for turning a dime. It's how we all have jobs. I I just, I can't believe profits is a dirty word in 2017. Black Label Society coming to Akron February. Let's get you hooked up. They're playing the Goodyear Theater. We'll take caller 17, 1-800-243-7625 on those. And be right back with more Sansbury Show. Hang on. Good morning. The Stansbury Show. Or the God of your choosing. Best morning ever. Kent's Rock Station. Rock 106, not 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show on Rock 106.9. We still have a pair of tickets for the Gould Brothers House of Horrors. We'll pass those out 8.30 on the program. It is Halloween season. It's not my favorite. I, I don't know. I like the weather, but I don't. I wasn't allowed to take part in Halloween as a kid, so like I just don't get caught up in this time of year. Every girl I've ever dated that was a little too Halloween crazy ended up being a little too like real crazy outside of that, too. Um, I understand the fun of it, but like people who go over the top with it, like oh Halloween, it's my Super Bowl. It's like what, what, what? Yeah, I mean honestly, like like what do you what do you mean it's your Super Bowl? Shouldn't you shouldn't Harry Potter? Right? Shouldn't shouldn't going to work be your Super Bowl? You're not Harry Potter. This Harvey Weinstein thing's not going away. As a matter of fact, it's only getting worse. And now his brother Bob Weinstein thrown into the fold now as well. Apparently, a showrunner for uh, for a show that. Their company was like producing says that he constantly asked her out to dinner, constantly asked her to meet him at a hotel room, wouldn't back off, went so far as where she got police action involved and uh, like a lawyer on her behalf, like kind of forced him to stop with like, like, you know, like a paper trail that's going on there. Now, I understand I got on a movie set 
like why why an executive producer might run into like a woman and say, hey, like you know maybe I misread this situation. Well, I'm maybe going to ask this woman to dinner, and I don't think there's anything wrong with asking somebody to dinner that you work near or by or for or with or whatever. I, I don't really think there's anything crazy about it. But once somebody says no, then you got to be like, okay, I asked. I'm not. This isn't going to be a thing. As long as I don't negatively affect our, let it negatively affect our business, we should be fine here. It's just the constant going back at again and again and again is where you get yourself in trouble. Especially when you're the person in power there. Right. When you're the one with all the leverage there to keep doing it. I mean, I know because there's some people out there who are going to be like, you just asked her to dinner. Well, how many times is that appropriate? Right. right. You ask a, you ask a woman out to dinner once. I, I, again, like if she works for you and you're like the executive producer she's a showrunner i don't think there's anything wrong with that a lot of you know relationships blossom over projects like that so i I have no issue with the asking but once you're denied you have to realize fold that hand i'm not going to win here i'll go try to win somewhere else that's where he that's where bob's getting in trouble at least right now because we only have as far as i know we only have the one accuser on him but fantone brought up a great point to me this morning when we were talking about it off the air he said dude if you were running a company with your brother don't you know what's happening Oh, there's no denying that a position, a person in that position of power within the company, you 100% knew what your brother was doing. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that on a day to day basis, I mean, number one, it's your brother. So you know him, you have some sort of, you know, just an intimate knowledge of each other there, but you know, no argument that this was a, I mean, I don't know what the, what the worth of the company is, that their offices are in separate ends of the building. They're both assigned to separate projects. Maybe you go two, three months without having conversation, like real in-depth conversations. Yeah, but you built this company from nothing into the million-dollar industry that it is. You probably didn't start this after right. you're already Miramax. Right. You didn't, you didn't, you All know. Right. You, 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 That's you, fair. You, you, you have a history with each other there. And like the only way you could make the argument is if you were willingly putting your head in the sand. It seems like everybody else involved in these program are in these movies and these productions there was a ton of people who knew whether directly or indirectly or loosely or however they knew it that this was going on and if you chose not to pay attention to those rumors if you chose not to pay attention to that noise that was being willfully ignorant there another thing that's happening that hasn't caught a lot of steam yet and i think it probably will by the end of the day maybe tomorrow you're going to start to see more about this i would imagine is that a lot of women now are calling out men who are like acting as if they're sympathetic towards this issue online. And okay. David Cross was a guy who had a show back on, on HBO back in the day. Was it, was it Mr. Show? Oh, okay. Okay. Was yeah. it Mr. Show? He was part of that. David Cross was on that. He was also on Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, he was on that. And uh, he's been in a million projects. And he's a very funny guy. But like he was one of these guys that took to Twitter to be like, oh my God, this is awful in Hollywood and we're with you and you know, hashtag me too and like all this other stuff, right? Okay. And so now an Asian actress is like, you know, I think this is so funny. I'm thinking about the first time I met David Cross 10 years ago and he made fun of my pants that were all tattered because I was poor. Dumbfounded, I stared at him speechless and he said to me, what's the matter? You don't speak English? Ching chong, ching chong. Jeez. And did that to her like to her face. Now he's come out and said, Look, I don't remember doing this. I'm not calling her a liar. I'm gonna paraphrase for him. I'm not calling her a liar. It's deeply upsetting, obviously. I didn't mean to hurt her. That was never my intention if I did it. But of course he said this to her. Of course I believe he said that. 
Um, I mean, it's not a stretch to believe anybody's going to say something, but I mean, God, dude, like just, just out of nowhere, you just walk up to this chick and start making fun. Oh, dude, Asians, even still today, it's like the one group of people you can still like outright, like, dude, uh, nobody would bat an eye at saying, man, Asians can't drive. Nobody would bat an eye at that joke. Saying that, hearing it, nothing. Nobody's, you know, beacons get raised over that. But if you suggest that a woman can't do something, if you suggest that like an African-American wouldn't be able to do something as well, dude, the world shuts down. But like Asians, there is, it's kind of like a gloves off. It's much like, honestly, it's like fat people. Like you're allowed to say, and, and honestly, toothless hillbillies. Like trailer park people, you're allowed to say whatever you want about them too. It's like really crazy. It's like there's certain, not like all these protected classes, not everybody's protected. Everybody likes to pretend they want everybody protected. But at the end of the day, we're not doing that. And honestly, 10, 15 years ago in Hollywood, I bet it was totally acceptable to walk up to an Asian and say that off camera. And nobody would have batted an eye at it. I just think it's interesting because that's going to happen a lot where you're going to have these people falling all over themselves to prove they're the best white person in the world on Twitter to like come to everybody's aid and be like, no, I'm in your struggle too. And I want to hold your hand. And there's going to be a rush of this. And I think there are going to be women who are laying back going, well, wait a minute, dude, I got a story on you. I got a story on you. I got a story on you. And I got a story on you. So you got to be careful with all that stuff. You got to be really careful, dude. There's no way you remember everything you've said and done in your life. There's no way you remember that. Nobody has that perfect recollection of all the conversations, all the interactions that you've had with any one particular person. And I think it's funny, not funny, I guess maybe is the wrong word, maybe insensitive. I think it's interesting and eye-opening that the people who claim, like I always say, that they're so pure and that they're so good and so inclusive and so nice, we find out behind closed doors, no, you aren't which is what I've been screaming for three years since taking this job. We'll start hour number three next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. I have got to get in on this. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. We were talking before the break about uh, the Harvey Weinstein issue, and a guy hit me up on Twitter. He's like, look, man. He's like, I know you're saying not everybody's got perfect recollection of everything they've ever said. He's like, but why does my wife remember every awful thing? <laughs> said my wife's always able to recall every wrong thing I've ever said in my life that's that's very funny Rob that's very funny buddy I would imagine they are they are pretty good at that yesterday on the program I couldn't believe a piece of audio we had to play and this was from our president making a claim about him being president and and him being the only person to ever have done something here it is I will at some point during the the period of time call the parents and uh, the families because I have done that traditionally. The traditional way, if you look at uh, President Obama and other presidents, most of them uh, didn't make calls. A lot of them didn't make calls. I like to call when it's appropriate, when I think I'm able to do it. Now, I said yesterday, to make the claim that you're the first president, to call the family members of a soldier who lost their life in battle, in combat, fighting for this country, would be crazy. That could be debunked before you're finished saying it from the front row with a smartphone. And I didn't understand that. Like, I don't understand why he goes maybe out of his way to do and say things where people can pile on. Like, I don't get it. 
I just feel like at this point, um, President Trump feels that the consequences don't matter, and nothing stopped him well, so he's far. Kind of right. I mean, nothing stopped him so far. So there, why would I? Why would I change my behavior? There have been no consequences. So I, on some level, he's right about that. But what I forgot to think about yesterday in that situation is him making the phone call. Okay. And I didn't think about how that would go. Okay. I didn't think about. I was like, oh well, yeah. Obviously, the president calls people, yeah. and you know, offers sympathy and does that kind of thing, right? As a matter of fact, there was a woman who pointed out to Trump, you know what? Yeah, presidents have done that. Like President Bush listened to me as I like rallied against him, like screamed at him over my family member dying, and then he held me as I like sobbed in his arms. She's like, and then called him like a I don't know, a fat effing liar or something. She called him. And so, again, like, very easily disproven. I don't know why you would bring this on yourself, but then I never thought about what it would be like to be on the other end of the phone with this president calling me to to express sympathy for what has happened to me. I never thought about what it would be like to answer the phone and hear from this particular president. Now, don't get me wrong. This would be a very, very tough part of the job in the sense of the emotional tax it would take on you calling these people, talking with these people, like you said, get screamed at by these people because they are going to hold you accountable. Their loved one just died. You're the commander in chief. Like there is going to be a level of that. Um, But at the same time, I'm going to say this would probably be a pretty easy part of the job in the sense of it doesn't take a genius to figure out what you need to do and what you need to say here more than anything you script need to writes li- itself more more than anything you need to listen more than anything you need to say i'm sorry you need to show empathy in like as a parent i don't even understand how you're going right the script writes itself right i mean very and, and you can say they're platitudes but very like stereotypical like you know sometimes in life platitudes are okay right sometimes in life that's okay so i never thought about what it would be like for him to be the one delivering this message to me. Like, for some reason in that conversation yesterday, it never crossed my mind. And now we know what it's like. Because somebody has come out and said, oh yeah, the phone call happened. And here's what happened. President Donald Trump told U.S. Army Sergeant David Johnson's widow Tuesday that he knew what he signed up for, but when it happens, it hurts anyway. This is all because... This man had died serving in the northwestern Africa in northwestern Africa. And Frederica Wilson is the representative of this section of Florida. And he said, yeah, he said that, Wilson said. So insensitive. He should not have said that, she says. He shouldn't have said it. Now, Trump has tweeted already this morning. I didn't say it, and I have proof. And so Ben Shapiro, a conservative, has already tweeted at him and said, yeah, show me the transcript. Because he's, again, a, even though a conservative, he has issues with the president. Which was one of the reasons why I feel like I can trust Ben occasionally when he's saying stuff. Because it's like, well, okay, well, you're not just dyed in the wool. Like, okay, I'll, I'll hear you out then. Right? But I never thought about this. I never thought about Trump being the one to pick up the phone and make the call. And, have, and, and again, like... Because I'll be honest with you, the one thing he's not, for sure, is delicate. Delicate is the one thing he's not. That's As a matter of fact, that's why a lot of you voted for him. is because he was not delicate. Talked like you. Plain spoken. Had that had the same vision you had. Strip it down. Make it about this issue. He, I mean, that's, that's why he won. is because of the not being delicate. People were sick of the delicate. But in this moment... Life requires delicate hands. It does. It requires that. 
And honestly, it got to the point this morning when I was prepping this story where I said to myself, well, you know what? Maybe it's time that because of this stuff is so public now in a way that it wasn't when Kennedy was president. Like maybe because it's so public now, maybe we just hire somebody whose whole job is this with PR background and that way it never gets screwed up. And I thought to him, it's like, no, 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 no. I'm lowering the standard then because this is the president's job and he should be able to make this call and be able to do it properly. But I got to imagine people that have served this country, they hear that. You don't love that, right? Now, there's nothing the president's going to say on the phone that's going to make you feel better about losing your family member. No. That I get. No. But there are situations where you could walk away maybe feeling more screwed up about it. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I don't know if pride is the right thing that this woman should be feeling walking away from this, you know, in the sense of her husband's sacrifice was for the greater good of the country. And, you know, to make the point of like, well, you know, military members know that they're getting themselves into a dangerous situation. Yes, there's no denying that. I don't think anybody who's ever served is like, oh, I could die doing this. Didn't even know that. But there's what like, what are you saying that for? In my mind, that's like saying like somebody comes into the office and is like, hey, I just found out that my eight-year-old has cancer. And you say to them, well, anyone could get cancer. I mean, once you're born on the planet, you yeah, know. Yeah, but my eight-year-old has it. Right, right. Like, <laughs> right. Would you? Yes, anybody could get cancer. Thanks for the input there. I, you know, and again, as a guy, there's a guy who has served this country who just said to me, look, man, I'm a little rough around the edges, but I didn't really hear anything wrong with this statement. Okay. I mean, maybe I am making too much of it. I'll make room for that. But I want you to again. I know Trump supporters are hearing me right now. Notice, dude, I'm not jumping him down on him, but I'm just, but I am saying, like, dude, he's not delicate. Like that's and as a guy who was critical of Barack Obama, like, let's be honest. Who, like, put your bias away. You're in your car. You're alone. Nobody's gonna judge you. Put your bias away. Who do you think makes a better phone call to the family, Obama or Trump? Come on. If if you're gonna be honest about it. I'm telling you, I think Barack Obama makes a better call. I think George Bush makes a better call to the family. I mean, George Bush, yeah. you can say what you want about the guy. He took the military very seriously. I, I think Bush at that point would have known what not to say. Just shut up sometimes and just, it's okay. W would have just been like, I would just, I'll be your rock. Right, yeah, I can right. see that. I can right. see that. Sure. Um, I, I guess like a part of this is in, you know, him saying that he now has proof that this congresswoman was lying about well, I'm with it. Shapiro. Show it to me. Well, the last thing that I want to happen here is this to become the president versus a private citizen and this widow here. Didn't he already do this with the Gold Star family? And like, that's the thing, dude, is like the doubling down is kind of what bothers me about it. Okay, you're the president. The phone call didn't go as smoothly as you wanted it to. Fine. But like... Once once this came out, you could say like, hey, there must have been something misconstrued with what I said. Maybe I wasn't clear with what I was trying to say. I have the utmost respect for this woman. But to, auto- to automatically turn it into like, nope, I got proof you're lying about it. Like when this woman comes out and says, when this widow comes out and says, this is what he said, it's going to turn into a he said, she said. And I just, I don't know why, I guess why I would look at the widow and say she's lying. Right. Like, I don't know why she would lie. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess everybody's got their narrative or whatever or their their side of things, and maybe she's an anti-Trump person. I don't know. I don't know that about her. But I didn't... The My first thought wasn't... Because of everything else he said, my first thought wasn't there's no way he said it. My first thought was this, like, well, of course that's what he said. Have you listened to everything else he said? Even if she's vehemently anti-Trump, even if she's one of the, you know, one of the organizers of, of the anti-Trump movement, 
Like, she's still a widow of a military member who died within the last two weeks. Like, you just have to sometimes know when to, like, okay, that's your thought, that's your opinion, I'm sorry, I still respect you. There's no reason to get well, into a... And it'd be crazy to think that somebody who does disagree with you wouldn't be, like, staunch in their disagreement with you after just losing a family member to the cause. Right? Like, I just, the entire time yesterday when I was listening to that clip, I never thought, I'm like, oh my god. Because, dude, that's when he gets himself in all the trouble is when he's off the cuff in it. Like, that's when he gets in all right. the trouble. No, no speechwriter, no teleprompter for a phone call. And, right, it's like, oh my god. Oh my god. I don't know, maybe I'm making too much of it. I'll make room for that. Maybe I am. I, I just, I feel like... This has been handled better by former presidents, I think. You've got this situation. You've got the Khan family situation. Yeah. You've got the John McCain. I don't like war. I don't like. Would have sunk any other candidate. I, I, I don't like people that got. I don't like soldiers that were caught. I like the. I, I, I like the ones that weren't caught. Um. And to me, this seems like a repeated behavior, a repeated, repeated pattern of disrespectful behavior, and like. It's automatically like just brushed aside. We're in the middle of this like you're disrespecting the troops because of the flag when there's this genuine examples of disrespecting troops and their families and we're just like not nah, whatever. It is strange. That is strange. I just I don't want to make light of it, but at the end of the phone call, did she say holidays or Merry Christmas to you? Jeez. Right? Because isn't he, I mean, he's firing that whole thing back up again. Oh, yeah. Which, how are you going to make businesses say Merry Christmas? How are you going to enforce that? I don't, I don't, that one I don't get at all either. I just, I, yesterday when I was listening, I was like, well, of course the president calls the families. Of course they do. But I never thought, I was like, oh my God, he's so not delicate. That's his whole thing is that he's not delicate. He's proud of it. That's like, his, his whole thing is that, dude, he's Tom Petty. He won't back down. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I can only imagine how that phone conversation went. And now we know how it went. I don't know, man. He just, he he never goes out of his way to, like, like maybe cut something off at the past that might be a headache for him. Right. Like, the news is after to get, I, I just, okay, Trumpers, I just want you to understand. I agree with you that the news is after him. Do I think the news is, like, over-examines and, and heightens things and, and things? Yes, absolutely. But... You gotta meet me halfway now, though, and admit that he doesn't do a great job of, like, quieting stuff down and helping move the story down the field. He doesn't do a great job of that. You know what I mean? I'll meet you halfway. I do. I think the news is out to get him. They're on a witch hunt, for sure. That's totally true. But, man, when I read that, I just couldn't believe that. If I would have said that on the radio... Like that, I guess that's the filter I keep putting it through. If I, dude, if a guy died from Stark County and I said, well, pff, dude, you know what he signed up for, you'd be outside the radio station with pitchforks demanding I be ripped off the radio. I mean, there's a line somewhere. I yeah, mean, when, like, when I put it through that filter, that, 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 that society would want me fired for that statement. I don't know. So it's a, it's a weird line. I always say, dude, society's got a weird line where we, you know, where we dig those heels in. We have haunted house tickets for you. The House of Horrors in Akron put on by the Ghoul Brothers. You'll get hooked up next on the Stansbury Show. Dan Stansbury and his boy wonder Matt Fantone. At last, two heroes. The Stansbury Show. Rock 106.9. Hey, guys, you guys. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show. Rock 106.9. We have a pair of tickets for the House of Horrors in Akron. We'll pass those out here momentarily. 1-800-243. Rock is the number. Yep. It's 7625. 
Yeah, dude. In the digital era, I mean, numbers don't even really don't associate matter. with the phone number with the, with the letters anymore. I I can't think of the last time I had to figure out like, well, which one is us? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know when the last time I had to do that either. I wonder if we switched it up. Would that cause chaos? Would everybody be like, well, you said it was rock for so long? No, because people keep asking what the number is. Oh, that is true. So I don't think enough people know. That is true. I bet people call and use the 1069 because it's like, well, yeah. (laughs) Of course, that's what it would be. Every radio station in the history of radio stations have done that. (laughs) Spells rock! All right. That's probably enough smacking the company around, right? right. Which, by the way, I do got to give the company credit. All right. I do. Coming up Monday, starting at 6 a.m. Monday, $1,000 up for grabs every hour. Not just on the program. 6 a.m. till 10 p.m. Every single hour, $1,000 up for grabs. It's almost, I feel like, terrible to say this, but we're pretty close to Christmas. And if you won 1000 bucks, <sighs> bro, right? I mean, you win 1000 bucks, dude. You could take care of Christmas and not even have to worry about all that. You start next year off not in debt, it's going to be nice. Oh, I'm so envious of you. What's that? I'm talking about the person who's going to oh, win. start off with no, no, not you. Dude, I, I need some money. I lost a bunch of money last night in the Cavs. Giving up three and a half points to Boston like an idiot. That didn't work out. The over didn't work because Gordon Hayward got hurt, so the scoring came down. Yeah, at least he didn't lose an ankle, though. No, that's true. Oh, my gosh. Gordon Hayward. We got his light candles for him. Shut up. Oh, my God. It was guy, brutal. Guy broke his leg, dude. I mean, it was. I mean, here's the thing. I, I admit that the gushing online was a little too far. It was. It was a little obnoxious. But you go back, you can hear it snap. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It That's was gruesome, dude. It was. It was brutal. I'm not denying it. I mean, when you saw his leg, like, poking the way that it wasn't supposed to go, I mean, the, the, the announcer on TV last night was like, oh, it broke his leg, broke his leg, broke his leg, and everybody could tell, dude. You had all the Cavs down, taking a knee, the the the, the Celtics all circled around him and, and trying to hide it, Um, but it, it's not like he died. You know, everybody was giving LeBron credit because he ran into the locker room where he was being seen, and he was like, That's sportsmanship. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it is. Or is this what I'm always accusing LeBron of? Oh, 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 there's a spotlight and let me be in it. But which way do we want it, America? Because it's like, well, if you take the spotlight, I mean, like, if you take the spotlight and do something negative with it, we're coming at you. And now if you take the spotlight and oh, do you something can't win. nice with it, it's Yeah, like, you can't win. Well, I mean, so... Dude, the game's rigged. It, Welcome to Twitter. We were the game's talk- rigged. We were talking about, it was, I think, right before the National Anthem, they played that Unity video. Right. And people are like, oh, well, he's just doing that for the optics of it. And it's like, well, that's what we're doing all of this for. <laughs> all of it. Literally all of it. Yeah, that's why. Honestly, that's why the NFL players originally were standing on the sideline was for the optics. They were in. They were in the tunnel, or they were in the locker room, and the NFL brought them out because they got paid for the it, optics. It of was it. the optics of it. Right. Yes, that's what the whole thing is. This is what the. That's everything, dude. The, that's why the saying is called. That's why the saying is this: put a public face on it. That's the saying because there's a different face for things that go wide publicly versus what's in your household. So it's like you don't want him to do nice things because he's only doing it for the spotlight. And it's like, well, then should he just do nice things and but be as secretive as humanly possible about it? You can't win. And send Gordon Hayward a text and say, hey, don't tell anybody that I told you this, but I hope that you're doing better. I mean, it just it's ridiculous, dude. There's there's literally no win for that guy. Well, there's no win for anyone. Okay. There's no there is no win for anybody. No matter what you do. The online community, somebody will have an issue with it because you didn't think about how it personally affected them. And so, now, like, well, what about my voice? What about my platform? You don't have one. 
Like none of us have one. I don't have one either. I said it. I said it during that whole NFL thing. This is not my platform. This is iHeartRadio's platform. They entrusted to me because I use it responsibly. The moment they don't think I do, next man up. It's the way it works. Nobody has a platform. None of us. Now there is an issue going around that I think dudes are going to have a problem with. Okay. Apparently, there's a masturbation issue. Okay. That is affecting a lot of men. And they're saying a lot of dudes, 45% of them reported that they struggle, Fantone, to stay erect while they're having like a solo session while masturbating. They, they looked through the men's medical info. The researchers found that those who went limp were more likely to have an increased cardiovascular risk a reduction in sex drive, and fewer sleep-related erections. And they ask, should you be worried about this? And they say, usually when a man has trouble staying erect during masturbation, they think, the men do, that it's more likely to be psychological. And they shrug it off, saying, ah, I'm just not in the mood. But they say erectile dysfunction, often considered an early warning sign of heart disease and that regardless if it happens during sex or masturbation that you should be worried about your heart health yeah i mean you got some blood issues going on there so i can understand why that's related to your heart i i would feel the exact opposite though when it comes to well if i couldn't get erection during uh, masturbation because at that point like there's no like Anxiety, You know, like, if you're having sex with somebody and you're, you're like, oh, my gosh, I really want to knock it out of the park, but what if I don't? She's going to leave me. She's not going to want to sleep with me again. That's when psychological issues come up into my head where it's like you're concerned about performance anxiety. Performance, right. When there's no performance anxiety with masturbation, you and Phoenix Marie are there by yourselves. I, uh, I will admit that I have psyched myself self out of sex a, a couple of times in life where I was like, oh, my God, what do I do? Please oh don't gosh. do Please, this girl's so hot. Just please just let me have the best performance of my Dude, right. I mean, you can totally psych yourself out on sex as a man. For sure you can. I don't know about what it's like for women, although you would think I would, as emotional as I am. But like, yeah, I, uh, but I don't know. And so, yes, I definitely agree. I, when I read this, expected this to be more about the fact that they were, that this was, we were going to find out they were looking at online pornography too often right. in one particular day. Right. Like you're on your third session Jeez. and you're like looking for like the right Jeez. video like Don Juan in that movie and you know what I mean? Midway through while you're still looking for the perfect video, like you just lose it and it yeah. just goes away. Like that I could see because well you've already beat the poor thing into submission. Right, right. There's only so much anybody can take. Your penis included there. I don't know if I've ever gone limp while masturbating. I will tell you that I have had, I've definitely at my age now have woken up in the morning and not had the morning erection. Oh, I don't think that's necessarily like alarming. I think oh, that's dude, I okay. panicked. I think that's okay. I freaked out. I, I, there's like not- the first time that happened to me, I was like, oh my God. Like I felt, I was like, dude, it's over. Game over. Just do push me off the edge. Dude, the earth's flat. Push me off it. They um they've talked before about how you can wrap something around your penis to see if a roll you have of dimes. nighttime if you have if nighttime erections. Um, I'm not concerned necessarily so much about do I wake up without one, but if I was going 
to masturbate. If I'm like getting myself mentally prepared and like physically prepared to go masturbate and I couldn't get an erection, I'd be very concerned about that. That's that would be like a major like whoa, whoa, whoa. What would be your first course of action? What's going on? I mean, call the doctor? Are right? you calling the doctor? Oh, I'm going to a doctor for sure over that. For sure I am. Really? Yeah. Call up Dr. Cooper right there on 12th Street. Dr. Cooper, my D's not working anymore, bro. What do I do? Oh, I love Canton, dude, but if it's a D doctor I need, <laughs> that might be a tank of gas operation for your boy. It's like one of the best relationships I got. I do have a penis question that I've been very curious about my entire life. Okay. And I hope that maybe somebody else has wondered this okay. the, themselves and I don't like expose too much about myself right here. All right, here we go. All right. But obviously as a man, I have been through droughts, right? Mm-hmm. I've been through sexual droughts. Where it's like, all right, you gotta, you know, you gotta lean on the keyboard a little bit more than often, right? Or whether, than usual. I mean. Whether they're self-imposed because you can't find somebody, or it's like, damn, dude, maybe I'm just unlovable and and I'm masturbating a lot. Okay, I like column A, column B, mix them right, together, right, there, right? A little bit there. That's probably true of me there. Okay. Why is it that if you look at <laughs> you can still punt, dude? If you don't, want no, to I do don't this, care. Okay, all right. Dude, I've admitted every embarrassing thing about me. <laughs> okay. my, dude, I've talked about being molested as a kid. Okay. I, dude, the base is out of the two. Here we go. You know what I mean? Why is it that a man can look at online pornography and achieve an erection pretty easily after, like, your warm-up, you know what I mean? Like, that period in between when you can have sex and then have sex again, that that cool-down period, why is it that it can be shorter with Pornhub versus a real-life naked woman laying in the bed? Um, Maybe it's... Satis- is it the stimulation? Satis- yeah, stimulation. I would assume there would be a little, be a little bit of the like the, the psychology of it because you actually have. Also, someone. there's not somebody like, waiting there for you to be able to kick it back up in right, gear. And you're like, dude, right. hurry up, man! Right? Like, is it, that it's it? Just you by yourself. Once again, the pressure is off in that situation. This is-, is why you listen to the show live because certain things might not make the podcast. <laughs> this is why listening live pays off. I've always been curious about that. All right, I'm going to go be curious about it on my own, though, and not, not, not invite the rest of you in on it. We'll pass out those House of Horrors tickets. That happens next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. We may not be a global epidemic yet. On iHeartRadio. This is a dream come true. Canton's Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. Going to pass out these House of Horror tickets momentarily. 1-800-243-7625. The number you need on those. Out of Dayton, Ohio. Somebody moved around the uh, the letters on a gas station sign and had it read free heroin with your rewards card. Jeez. Now, Dayton, um, I guess, is one of our state's biggest problem area cities for the opiate addiction problem. And Ohio's like, you know, ground zero for the issue itself. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Big cities, Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati definitely have a real issue with this. But I think it seems to me at the very least, it's these mid-sized towns, the Dayton's, the Toledo's, um, Canton, Akron. It seems like they're having a very real issue with these problems just because you've got rural areas that kind of meet into urban areas. And I think that's a big part of, of what makes it well, so Well, lack unique. of opportunity will right. definitely play into this. For sure it will. And so I heard this yesterday, and as a proponent of legal marijuana, right. I can't draw the conclusion. Like, okay. I can't draw the line, right? And again, this is coming from somebody who would like to see marijuana legalized in this country. But I saw this article post, you know, passed around yesterday a lot, which is they say Colorado has seen a reduction 
in opiate-related deaths since legalizing the marijuana. And I can't figure out what, what the line would be. As somebody who has experimented with drugs and has used opiates and had been on Oxycontin, I don't see how giving somebody legal weed would get somebody off of Oxycontin. I don't see that. Um, I guess- Again, this is shooting a hole in my argument, which is I would like to see legal weed, but I don't know how they're drawing this line. I can't make it out. Um, I, I guess maybe in the sense of it gives you something to step down on. You know what I mean? And I know that the the, the addiction to opiate is different than the addiction to marijuana. There's Very. No, there's no question about it. But maybe having that, like, you still can get that fix of highness. You can still get that fix of, of, of doing drugs without necessarily Openly. taking it. Right. Without necessarily taking it to a further level. Okay. There. All right, I, I think that's if I'm if I'm just being honest, my opinion is I feel like that's a reach, but maybe they say researchers from the University of North Texas, the University of Florida, and Emory University charted opioid-related deaths in Colorado from the beginning of the year 2000 to the end of 2015. Now they looked at deaths involving both pharmaceutical and non-pharmaceutical drugs. The results showed a disturbing upward trend up until about 2014 when the deaths began to decrease. Starting in January 2014, people in Colorado could legally buy marijuana for recreational use. After that point, the study found opioid-related deaths declined by 6.5%. And I know what a lot of naysayers are saying in their car right now, or maybe at your desk, wherever you happen to be listening via iHeartRadio. There you go. Ding. <laughs> like how it worked yeah, that I, one I, in? I loved nice. it. Nice. I loved it. Nice. Smooth. I know what you're saying. 6.5%. If I told you that I could reduce the opioid death in Canton by six and a half percent, you'd say do it. What, where where is the appropriate starting point then? If six and a half isn't enough for you, what percentage? I would agree. To, it has to. Work? I mean, dude, we're talking about people dying, right? I'll take a reduction if I can get a reduction. Um, you know, I, I think this is not necessarily. You're right. This isn't proof positive that like, hey, legalize weed, therefore o- opioid, you know, go, opioid use goes down. And also to the naysayers, it is only two years worth of data. I'll give you that. Right. So I'll like, give you that. I, it's not definitive proof, but at the same time, it's evidence of like, well, it's having some sort of an impact, therefore worth continuing down that route. And just hole. because I can't figure out how it happens doesn't mean it's not real. And I think that really is a more, when you really think about like how will marijuana affect drug overdoses and, and people being addicted to pills and, and, and heroin is, I think that's a big picture thing. You're right. Two years is not enough time because the way I put it through my mind is like, okay, let's say I'm 16, 17, 18 years old, just kind of starting to experiment with like drugs and like intoxication and all those different things. If I have that legal product available to me and I can say like, dude, this is as far as it, this is this is legal. This isn't doing giving me the high that I want. This is doing all the things that I want it to. There's not going to be as much of a reason to push further down into the rabbit hole of drugs where it's like, well, if I'm already going to my drug dealer's house to go buy weed and he says to me, yo, bro, I got some pills too. Then it's going to be like, okay, man. Hey, I like I like it. You're right. It, dude, normally a drug dealer is one stop shopping. If they right. got a good line on good weed, he's probably knows a guy that's got a guy who knows another guy. How do you always find hard drugs? You ask your weed dealer of like, okay. Well, where do I need to go for this? That is, there is truth in that. They say not only did Colorado legalize weed in 2014, but they also stepped up the monitoring program of prescription drugs. And they did that because of legal weed. What they did was is, fine, we're going to give you your marijuana because you've been asking for it. We know there's money to be made here, so we're going to do it. And 
But because of that, we can't look soft on drugs. So we're going to step up our enforcement of the hardcore drugs. Show me the negative in anything I just said. Dude, that has, I mean, always been my position when it comes to the legalization of marijuana is that legalize it, tax it, make Use the money, the money off of for it. drug enforcement where we absolutely need Move it. it. You can say you can say with the money that we make off of this, we're going to offer drug rehabilitation. If you want if you want to get off drugs, we can do that for you. We can help you with that now, but if in let's say X amount of time, let's say within 1 year of this program being in place, if we catch you with heroin, it's a 30-year minimum sentence. If we catch wow. you, well, I mean like, Ooh. well, I'm just throwing numbers around no, here. No, I know, but years. dude, I don't but, hate it maybe. But throwing around that like, listen, we're giving you your opportunity to get off of hard drugs and we're giving you your high. We're giving you what you want. I, I, I don't know how that hasn't been the plan from the get-go. I'm sorry, anti-weeders. I'm sorry. But now Colorado, their taxpayers get millions of dollars back. They already gave them. Dude, it's not like, oh, and someday they're getting it. The money already got sent back in the checks. They already have it. So you can't be like, well, no, the government's not going to give it to them. No, the government already did. The money's there. So they already got their tax money back and opiate deaths are dropping. At a pretty good rate. I'm sorry, anti-weeders. It's time to give up your stupid, staunch arguments. It doesn't work. You're negatively affecting everybody. Don't cut off your nose despite your face. Because you were taught something was evil in the 60s in some film. It was rhetoric. It's time to move past it. We have new data. It's time to give it up. All right. There's something happening with this Me Too thing online. If you don't know, it's all about the sexual harassment in Hollywood and other places. And there's something happening. Like, a lot of guys are calling out women who, are, who are, are saying that this has happened to them. And it's, I don't know, it's making me uncomfortable. So we're going to examine it as a class next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. That guy knows how to party. Rock 106.9. Hey, guys, you guys. Stansberry here from North Kenton Collision. The folks. 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show, Rock 1069. We have those House of Horror tickets. We'll pass them out here momentarily. 1 800 243 7625, the number you need on those. I, uh, I've been paying a little bit of attention to this new social media hashtag movement for women who feel as if they've been sexually harassed in the workplace. And it's me too, essentially, is what you're supposed to hashtag. And basically, what you're saying is, is I've been through this too. This is all be- coming out because of the Harvey Weinstein thing. Now we're hearing actually there are women now accusing Harvey's brother Bob Weinstein of the same thing. I would only imagine that list of people is going to grow, grow, and grow as well. Uh, Fantone made the argument this morning that those guys started that company together. There's no way Bob didn't know what he was, his brother was doing. Maybe was even complicit of it. Now I was a little hesitant of that because you have a brother and so do I. And I was like, well, wait, just because I'm related to somebody doesn't mean I'm capable of what they do. No, um, no, no, no. But I mean, when you're working. In the same quarters, I think you you know each other's behaviors. And oh, ve- he knew it was. And that. I was going to say, at the very least, you found it acceptable. You he was complicit in right. a way in the, in the fact that he did know. I would agree that he did know. I, I I won't make the argument that he didn't know that, or at least heard rumor of it, and and maybe you didn't go and investigate it. Much like the Paterno situation, where it's like, dude, people came to you and said this is happening, and you let it go. Right, and the willful ignorance. I mean, there's some sort of there's some sort of culpability there. There's some sort of issue. I would agree. So out of this, then it became me too. Rose McGowan was like a big uh, was like a big person, like pushing down the, you know this down the field. I know Alyssa Milano was another one of these women right. who came forward and said, "Yeah, I'm totally in on this." And the amount of women I know personally who I saw posting it on their social media. Now I was a little curious, not gonna lie. If 
did they mean that they were actually a victim of this, or did they just want to help bring more attention to the, to the thing, uh, you know, to you know the movement? And I think either one of those, honestly, in this given case, is probably okay. Yeah, I think the intention was for women who had specifically gone through it to to post it. Now I'm sure there's plenty of people who posted it just kind of like in support of. But I was, I mean, I, I guess I can't say I'm surprised because I, I know this has happened to a lot of women. But I was kind of taken back by like, holy crap! Because you're right, it wasn't just celebrities. It wasn't just like random people I don't know on Twitter. I, I mean, it was women that I know, women that I have personal relationships with. And it's crazy, right? The, the, some of the things, that, and I've definitely heard women, you know, uh, who I'm friends with say to me, you wouldn't believe what my boss said to me today. And I was always like, oh my God. Right. Like, as a guy who has a rough sense of humor, and I do, right? I can definitely have a rough sense of humor. There were things that I still know that in the workplace, I shouldn't say that. Like, and I shouldn't say that to somebody like, and I can't believe some of the stuff that people, but again, I always talk about the lack of self-awareness on people would blow you over. Yeah. I mean, when you are in the position of power, when you're a boss in charge of somebody, you have to recognize that the humor line is different than way different, different at the bar, way I mean, different. And and that's kind of the way that it's supposed to be. So like, I, 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 it boggles my mind that so many women had this happen, but I think what was a little bit, maybe even sadder was like, how many guys find this? acceptable like how many men and don't get me wrong i'm sure there are plenty of examples of women sexually harassing men or other women or uh, you know yeah but that's not the issue right now uh, you know what i mean so guys you got you, you know you mean you, this whole thing is blown up and you got to give space and let this thing be a thing like you, you don't make it about you right now right like this is this deserves its space and i there's something happening and i don't know who's right okay but I saw there were other actresses, and you'll have to forgive me. I forget her name off the top of my head. She was in that um, she was in that HBO show, Big Little Lies. She played uh, June and walked the line. Like, I, I, why am I having a hard time with her name oh. right now? The blonde. Oh, okay. I have a hard time with her name right now. But she came out and said, "This happened to me." Rose, not Rose McGowan. Um, ah, God, what is her name? Yeah, I, I'm forgetting her name. She was in uh, she was in Fear with Mark Wahlberg. She was like the virgin character in Fear. Why don't I know this woman's name right now? Reese Witherspoon. That's it. There it is. Reese Witherspoon is her name. She came out and said, "Look, this happened to me," and did not name her a like assailant, attacker. Okay. And now people are taking issue with that, saying, "Well, if you're not going to name the person who did this to you when you were 16 in Hollywood, all you're doing." is looking for people to express sympathy to you, but you're not willing to name the accuser. So basically you're helping him hide and you're helping protect and you're helping, you know, protect an attacker. And if you haven't named this person all these years, think about all the women that have been hurt by this person because of your silence. Now, I don't want to be on that side. I really don't. It made me uncomfortable when I read it. But it's not that it's exactly wrong logic. We're now saying to men who were watching this stuff go by, what do you mean you were silent when all this was going on? What do you mean? You knew about this and you didn't expose it? So if we can put the men through the ringer of it, I'm not sure I can't hold women accountable for the same thing. Difference between being the victim and being somebody observing? Yes, obviously there would have to be a difference. For me to deny that there's a difference there would just be unfair to the conversation. But... To the other side, what is the value of saying, yes, this happens in Hollywood without trying to correct it? I'm not saying there isn't one. I'm asking for what it is.
Um, I guess, is there value in talking about it? Is there value in awareness? I mean, like... Well, much like the National Anthem thing. I said, if awareness is all you're after, you've done it, now let's go back. Because people are aware that there's an issue. But if it's about solving it, then I need more than the kneeling. And much like the same thing is going to hold true here, where if awareness is what you're after, okay, we're doing it, and awareness is coming out. But if fixing the problem is what you're after, I think they might be a little right on this. I hate saying that about somebody who went through this. So, I mean, because honestly, at that point, you're saying, like, should you legally be obligated to report this? Should you? I don't think anybody's calling for it legally. I think people are pointing out the hypocrisy and like, look, I'm a good person. This happened to me. And yes, this does happen without being willing to take the heat of naming the attacker. Is, there is a is, little is double being, standard. Is being the victim making you a good person? Is being a victim of sexual harassment uh, making well, you... I, 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 all right, I, that was probably not the best phrasing I've ever used. But I think that there's... I mean, she stayed quiet since 16. Like, I, there is an issue there. How long did you stay quiet for? Until I felt comfortable... And honestly, I thought about that on my way into work today because somebody's going to be like, well, who's your attacker? And the truth is, I don't know who my attacker is. I don't know. If you took me to Maple Heights, I've been on the street. I could point out the house, but I don't know who lived there then. I don't is know. Is it your responsibility then to I find don't know out, the names of them. To go through like the home records and like, because that's all recorded. I'm sure I could find it out. I'm sure I could find that out. Is it? I don't know. That's what we're trying to figure out right now. I, I don't I'm think not, it is. I'm not putting this on women. All I'm saying is, is that I think there is something strange about, I have a hard, all right, let me say it like this. I have a hard time calling Reese Witherspoon brave today when it's like, because you're willing to admit that it happened to you. I don't know if that's bravery. I guess, I mean, if, if if we're getting into well, what you should and should not call her, but I just feel like at this point, it's like, what what's the win in saying, like, hey, you have to tell me what it is? Well, how do we weed, it, how do we weed the problem out if we don't know who the problems are and people know who the problems are? At least a few of them, not all of them. Obviously, not everybody knows so every you, problematic person. Do you person. feel that you have a responsibility in the sense of, think about how many people, how many kids could have been touched as, as a child by the neighbor that you had? Honestly, am I sitting here feeling a little guilty about the fact that I don't know that and I and I can't and, and I can't put that forward? Yes. So, if you're asking me if I carry guilt over that, the answer is yes. So then why don't you move it forward? Why don't you why don't you do the work? Why don't you why don't you be, be the person who does that? Okay. Because, because you shouldn't have to, dude. I'm not trying to put this on you. No, I that's a fair God, argument. That's a fair argument. But the difference is though, is that my family removed me from that situation and took me through I didn't continue to sit in that situation and stay silent and watch idly by as this continued to happen to other people. There is a difference. Did this continue in that. to happen to Reese Witherspoon? Did she continue to work on that project? Or? Well, I'm she continued to work in an industry where she knew this person was working and, and did and, and didn't say anything. So that that is strange. So now, uh, when she didn't say anything at sixteen, I get it. When you turn to an adult person, and once you've had blockbuster after blockbuster after blockbuster underneath your belt, I think it is a little strange. Especially now, if you're going to come out and signal this way, how do we weed it out if we don't know who it is? I, I there is an issue. I'm not, I don't want to call it wrong, and I don't want to be the moral authority on this. God knows I've lived an immoral life plenty of times. Sh- should victims be obligated to testify in situations like this? Should you have to go up there? Because if not, I don't know. No, making making a victim relive th- that tragedy is a weird. Again, that's why I said I'm very uncomfortable by this whole conversation. But I don't know. I I don't know how you fix it. If we don't weed out the people we know are culpable and are bad. 
And again, like we've seen this a couple of times now, right? Like Elijah Wood piped up about this and everybody told him to shut up. And then who was it? Was it Corey? I always get these. Was it Corey Feldman? Kind of came out, was on The View. The video circling around YouTube right now had laid the whole thing out. Everybody told him, shut up. Did you question where, why didn't, why didn't um, Elijah Wood, why wasn't he more specific when this happened? I do question that. Absolutely, I question that. Absolutely, I question that. How do we expect things to change if we're not going to do what needs to be done to have it change? I think this particular situation is very different. Than if this happens to you, if you're working at the local hardware store, I do. Why? I think I, because I think it's different. I think because you set your own, you don't have to work with the same director every time you go to work. I understand why certain people in certain jobs go, dude, this is the only job I can get right now. And so like as awful as it is, I understand how people could be scared into not saying something. But Hollywood, there's how many studios, there's how many directors, there's how many producers. I think people, there are people who can take the bullet and withstand it. Rose McGowan, I don't think necessarily could have taken the bullet and withstood it. I don't think her career holds up. Reese Witherspoon's career, I think, holds up after totally calling out her accuser. Now, again, I'm not saying she should definitely have to do it. I'm saying when I read these tweets from these guys last night saying, you know, all you're doing is ringing a bell and you're not going to do a single damn thing to fix it. And actually at the end, dude, they were calling her like a coward and things like that for, for coming out and not being willing to name the accuser. And I can't lie and say that it doesn't feel a little strange to me that, that as awful as this crime is, that you're not going to help other people behind you who are going through this by helping weed this person out. There is a strange thing in that. I don't know what the right thing to do is there. That's why we're talking about it. But I I, I do, there is a it's not a double standard. There's hypocrisy in that a little bit. There's a little bit of like, well why are you not going to do what you can to help the people coming up behind you? If it's this bad, and of course it is, nobody should be touched or said to have things sexually said to them that they don't want. I'm all for that. But there is something to this. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to call Reese Witherspoon a coward because having been through this and knowing what it's like, you're only ready when you're ready. Like, I wasn't ready until I was ready. Now, I had a woman tweet at me today. She's like, look, I haven't, she's like, I've been a victim of this, but I didn't hashtag this. I haven't been all over Twitter. I didn't do any of this because I didn't want to feel like a victim all over again. And that's your prerogative. And maybe that was Reese Witherspoon's prerogative. I don't know. But I, I guess what I would say is, is it's, I can't make somebody name their accuser. I just wish I knew who they were. Maybe that's what it is. Is ultimately, I just, you know, I know maybe she's right, but I want to know who the accusers are so we can get them out of those situations so we can start to fix this problem. Is that really her responsibility? I don't know. I, I honestly, this is one of those times I know radio guys are supposed to have an opinion one way or the other. This is one of those moments where honestly, I just don't know. We'll pass out those House of Horror tickets. That will happen next on Rock 106.9. Hope you boys brought popcorn. The Stansberry Show. Because I'm about to put on a show. Rock 106.9. Hey guys, you got Stansberry here for the Wake Em Up. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9, online for EWRQK.com. Miss anything from this morning, you'll be able to podcast it there shortly after 10 a.m. We have House of Horrors tickets. We'll pass those out here momentarily. Uh, a little earlier on the program, we were uh, we were talking about... Colorado and they legalized marijuana and what they saw is they saw a six and a half percent drop in opiate related deaths since doing that. Okay. And so then I looked it up during a few of these breaks. We found out that every state with legal marijuana has seen opiate deaths die or like drop off. 
Not a lot, but 6.5%, that's about the average rate. Whenever, and I um, I say when people are dying, 6.5% is probably pretty good. Yeah. And I couldn't draw the line between legalizing marijuana and the reduction of opiate-related deaths because having done both drugs, I knew, well, dude, if you like to do Oxycontin, smoking weed's not going to be enough to like get you over that. Like, right. Right? And so Rick wrote in, and he had a good point. He says, I think the connection of decreased opioid deaths with legalized marijuana is you're making it about people who were currently on pills. He's like, you can't make it about that. If we give out less scripts and we start giving people marijuana or they start Uh, taking marijuana, then less people get hooked on the drugs, and then those people are probably the ones not dying. And Rick, honestly, dude, that was a great point. I was making it a little too singular on people already on pills. That was an excellent point, Rick. I I appreciate you listening. That was a good one. I mean, like I said, it's not definitive proof. It's not like, well, end of the argument. Now we should just legalize weed and all the drug problems will go away. Um, But it's evidence pointing towards that direction and... And like, I hope that as these states who have legalized recreational and medical marijuana, which God at this point is more than half of the country, um, but these states who have this, I hope they are used as a petri dish. I hope they are used as like, all right, well, how will this affect the the, the overall numbers if it affected these numbers in in, in 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 Colorado like that? So yeah, we should totally be paying attention to this. David bringing an issue up with the program as well as we brought up the Me Too trend. He says, look, you brought up the Me Too trend this morning and said that men should not be making this about them right now because it's not their time. I have to ask, when is it men's time to raise awareness that we can be victims of the same problems? There are constantly nationwide and worldwide campaigns to raise awareness about female victimization, and it is incredibly rare for a similar campaign to be taken seriously when men are the victims. I think it speaks to the disparity in how female victims are viewed versus how male victims are viewed when men are not allowed to admit that they have been victimized. It goes beyond sexually based victimization to include domestic violence and discrimination. Those are there's some good points in there, David. I would agree. And Terry Crews did bring this up. Right. Happened to him. A man, uh, you know, grabbed him um, by the genitals, and uh, you know he and again did not name that guy, which again I thought was a little strange. Um, but uh, again, I'm not going to knock people. It's it, it's their cross to bear, and they can bear it any which they want. I bared mine in, in a different way. What I meant to say is. I know men are victimized in the workplace. I've talked about this. We're in the radio business. I've definitely had women say things to me that were not okay. And that if I said to them would have been a bigger deal, but I think overall, and maybe I'm wrong. I think the workplace sexual harassment issue, I think is, I don't, and I primarily is probably not the right word. I think women deal with this in a way that men don't. And I, I think a part of the problem with that, yes, I agree with you 100% there, but I think a part of the problem is the conversation we were having wasn't that, no, men can't be a part of this Me Too campaign as well. It was men that were coming up trying to discredit that. You know what I'm saying? It's not that we were saying, like, no, you you as a man don't have any right to do this. It was that you, the issue was, it wasn't whether men or men, men should or should not be a part of this conversation. It's what the men who were perpetrating these the things. The conversations right. they were having inside this issue. So I I think it's like, well, if you have a breast cancer, you know, awareness or a breast cancer event, is it like, well, you're supporting, you know, testicular cancer? No, not necessarily. A lot of people bring that up with the NFL, though, is that they don't do a testicular cancer. It's a male-dominated thing, but it's like... So your issue isn't that, hey, you're pointing, you're doing something for this thing. Your issue is you're not doing something for me, right? I, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think that is what he's saying. So, like... I mean, I guess, you know, start your campaign, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is... 
I would admit that he's right in the sense that I think the media definitely would be more likely to pick up a story about a woman having this happen and a social media campaign surrounded by women having this happen versus a man. I do. And America does view this to be a women's issue yeah, and a woman's problem. I, I, I would agree that there that there are men who probably don't have their voice heard. But I, again, will state that I think, I think that women deal with this on a level that even men who have dealt with it don't deal with it. I, I think that this, this problem is probably worse for women than it is even for the men who have been victimized. Maybe I'm buying the media narrative hook, line, and sinker. I'll make room. But knowing women, having seen, especially in this business, where joking around, is it's considered to be a creative environment. Oh, just be one of the boys. I've definitely seen this firsthand. And so I think women deal with this issue on a way that a lot of men don't. Um, but to say that men aren't victimized would be crazy too. David, I'll, I'll totally make room for that. I have a tweet here from another broadcaster, Daryl uh, Reuter, who works for 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. And he has a, a fact here about the Cleveland Browns that is alarming. Alarming. On this date, 2012, Jimmy Haslam approved Unanimously, as owner by the as owner of the Browns, was approved unanimously to join the Brotherhood of NFL Ownership. Since this date, in 2012, your organization has given you four head coaches, four GMs, wow, a CEO, and a president. Later, the team, 19 and 60. Honestly, I would have thought it was worse. Like record-wise, I would have thought it was worse. Four head coaches, four GMs, God. a CEO, and a president. You- Let me tell you where I think the Browns screwed up. You know where you screwed up, and people are going to come at me on Twitter about this. You fired Michael Lombardi too early. My, I, dude, he took a kicker or something, and people freaked out. And it, I'll remind you, kicking's a third of the game. He's a very trusted member of Bill Belichick's inner circle. I think we rushed Michael Lombardi out of this town way too fast. I, I, I've, I've just my opinion. I've been on the side of well, there's accountability in the game, and you know you are what your record says you are. But I think if you take a step back and look at it, you fired everyone too fast. You fired every single regime, every single coach, every single GM. You fired them Hard too you. fast, and you they wonder. Need you wonder. You wonder why there's no stability. But you said this was 2012. So five years ago. According to Daryl Royer. Four coaches in five years. What did, what did you think was going to happen? No matter who those coaches were, you could take you could take the, 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 the four best coaches in the history of the NFL, and if you rotate them in and out in a course over five years, of course there's going to be chaos within the organization. Terrible. 19 and 60. Terrible. Yikes. Bro, that is terrible. Like, they are bad. And, you know... I think it was you, it was Tony Grossi, like, a buddy of mine, Eric Standish, was saying the other day, like, I like the problem is now, I enjoy them losing. I like it. I like, do. And, like, my buddy, our buddy Dustin, right, Ultimate Browns fan, like, he said to me the other day, he's like, dude, even my kids make fun of me now. And I said to him, I was like, well, that's the problem, though, is because when we were growing up, you loved the Browns because they were the only team on TV. 
Like you were, it was like right. your dad loved right. them. They were constantly on TV. It's oh, so we're Browns fans now. You got Twitter, Instagram, all this stuff. Everybody just watches Odell Beckham Jr. Great catches. You, kids don't have to grow up and be fans of like the loser team in their town. They don't. Like this, it can hurt you. I mean, this is going to be a big problem for the Browns 15 years from now when the stands aren't full, when people aren't buying tickets because the fandom isn't being passed down from father to son like it was when we were growing up. They're in a tailspin, bro. Tailspin. I, that's why I'm saying I don't think it's all head coach related. I don't. Hugh may not be the greatest head coach in the world. I'll make room. And I've been a Hugh guy. I'll make room. Fine. But you can't tell me that it's Hugh Jackson's fault when these are the numbers. I uh, I think it's possible this week that they pull off their first victory. I know that's crazy to say. And I don't I cannot, even know who they're playing. I cannot wait to see the overreaction from people. Oh, playing, Super Bowl. Playing the Titans. Playing the Titans at home. Oh, dude, Marcus Mariota's back. Playing I, the Titans at home. Without Marcus Mariota, you might have been able to beat them. But they came back against Indy the other night, and Jacoby Brissett played really well. Which, by the way, you could have had Joe. You could have had Jacoby Brissett. You could have had him. Meanwhile, Parcells and Chris Carter were out there telling everybody Jacoby Brissett's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Browns could have had him for nothing. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. Could have had him for nothing. Parcells and Chris Carter were telling everybody. Anybody who would listen, both those guys were like, "Dude, he's better than Garoppolo. That kid's gonna be amazing." Browns, nah, we're good. We got it. We got it all figured out. Four GMs. Four since 2012. If Daryl's right about this, I'm I'm just trusting that he's right on his facts here. Jason Lockenfora retweeted it. That's how I saw I don't even follow Daryl. I follow Jason Lockenfora who retweeted it. So my guess is they looked into it and made sure he was right. That is abysmal bad. Dude, if a radio station had four program directors in five years, dude, right. good morning guys would be like, dude, I'm right. not going there. That place is it's too unstable. I'm not going there. Trust me, I've seen it. I've seen it. House of Horror tickets. Let's pass those out right now. This is in Akron. Akron's uh, newest haunt. 15 years in the making, the Ghoul Brothers have been putting this together. 15 years. So it should be pretty damn awesome. Let's send you right now. We'll take caller 17-1-800-243-7625 on those. And we'll uh, we'll, we'll tell you how you can win yourself $1,000 next week on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. I have got to get in on this. Rock 106.9. Hey, guys. You guys, Stansberry here for North Canton Collision. The folks you call if you've been in a collision, big or small. North Canton Collision is an insurance claim specialist, and they repair every make and every model. And they also have state-of-the-art paint technology. So no matter what type of accident you've been in, they can get your car back in pristine shape. Call my buddies Jeff, Alex, Woody, or Jason for a no-cost estimate at 330-499-5171 or find them online at NorthCantonCollision.com for more information. North Canton Collision, the folks you call if you've been in a collision, big or small. Nine. Welcome back to the Sands Ray Show on Rock 106.9. If you miss anything this morning, podcast it shortly after 10 a.m. at WRQK.com. You know, there's been something circling around the news for the last couple of days. Not really news, but blogs and the like for the last few days. And I haven't really talked about it much or even brought it up just because I feel like, all right, well, I mean, I, we're getting closer and closer to Halloween. So the, oh, my God, can you believe this costume? They went too far. Okay. Right? And I'm just a firm believer that I cannot be or will not be shocked by something I knew was coming. Okay. Like that's if, fair. if something wildly unexpected happens, I'll be like, oh, okay, well, that's a little shocking. Right. I won't pretend to be shocked about something I knew was going to happen. And so it seems to me like the big costume that's offending everybody right now is the wall costume. 
Like apparently you can go to a store, you can buy one, and it's just like it looks like I don't know, like a like a wooden fence wall or whatever. You put it on, slips over you, and all it says on the front of it is the wall. And people are like, oh my god, this is really offensive. Oh my god, you're shaming people. And my thing is, you knew this was coming. You can't be shocked by it. You knew somebody was going to look to turn a buck on this, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you don't have to buy it, so it's like... Yeah, I, I'm not going to get bogged down right, wrong, this and that, but you knew it was coming. Right. So don't act like you're so offended by it when you knew this was coming right down the pike. Now, if this turns into a... Hey, you know, a bunch of kids wore a the wall costume and surrounded. It wouldn't let a Mexican kid go up to the door to get candy right, and like that, right. right then. Then we're into something. Now we got a problem. But as far as like Halloween costumes go, for adults, I don't give a Dude, damn Donald what Trump, you do. Donald Trump has been a popular Halloween costume for men well before the presidency thing happened. So you didn't think things that he was doing were going to be popular with the costuming? You knew this was going to happen. I, I just, I'll tell you the other one that I saw that I think is worse and is getting less press than the wall costume. Would you see somebody's putting on an Anne Frank costume? I, I mean, would I ever accept that? Would I ever be like, ah, oh, no, it's fine? See, but- now that one struck me as odd because, again, I didn't expect that one. I wasn't like, oh, well, of course that's going to happen. Like, I wasn't thinking that. It's tasteless. It's tactless, but you're a grown-up. I don't care what you do here in America. You be whatever you want to be for Halloween. Well, I believe it was a kid's costume. Oh, jeez. Yeah, the Anne Frank was a kid's costume. I I guess, I mean, if you're reading the diary of Anne Frank in the sixth grade. Right? I mean, that's when everybody comes to that book is in school. But, but that's different than saying, like, hey, I'm reading this book, and you know what? I feel like this girl, like, represents me or whatever. But to, like, try to, like, sell it on whatever, on on Halloween.com. I see why there's a little bit purely of asking kids. the question: Is there is, is there is there logic in Anne Frank costumes? Very much like we don't need baseball cards; we need saint cards. We need prayer cards. Like you know what I mean? We need you know police officer cards. Those should be the heroes, not not baseball players. Would the world be a better place if it was less? You like know, kids want to get involved in real things and be like real. Less Kim Kardashian, more Anne Frank. Sure. <laughs> Sure, I feel like we're putting a pretty, a pretty, uh, I don't know, a pretty, a pretty heavy cross around the necks of America. Though I don't know if we're necessarily going to be able to get that one done, dude. I just, I thought, I did think the Anne Frank one was a little like what? <laughs> that one felt wrong to me. The wall I knew was coming, so as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, obviously some idiot was going to do that. Yeah, especially if it's for kids. I don't care what you do as a grown up, but if it's for kids, no. The Anne Frank one I saw was like, a, like a ten year old girl was in it. It's probably not the best, though. and that was strange. That one struck me as a little odd. Aside from that, we're done for the day. Be back at it live tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. on Rock 106. Now, you guys have a great day. See you.